Good morning. And I will be reading the scriptures from Numbers 14, 1 through 3, 11 and 12. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. This is the word of the Lord. Great, thanks Darnell. Was that a, was that a fun story to read? <laughs> we're, we're sort of used to this in the book of Numbers where, um, where uh, God's people are struggling. I mean, I mean they're, they're wandering through the wilderness and, um, and life isn't easy. And, and we saw this a few weeks ago when when they were struggling, and God's response to the people was one of anger. And you might remember that, it, that in a sermon a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about that story, I made a comment, um, something along the lines of, is anger the only reasonable response to our tears? Uh, is anger the only reasonable response to the struggles of others? What about compassion? Uh, what about love? But what I didn't tell you about that particular sermon was what happened during the week while I was writing those, those very words. I was in my office and I was a little bit stressed out about, about writing my sermon. It was toward the end of the week. And I had just written those lines uh, on my computer about God's angry response when the phone rang. Hello, Mr. Vance. Um, this is the school nurse. <laughs> Your child is fine. They, they always preface their conversation like this, which is fantastic, especially in this season. But they're in our office and, and not feeling well today. Um, so on the phone, talking with the nurse, I was calm and understanding. But inside, I was like, seriously? Like, I don't have time for this. I didn't plan this in my, in my schedule. Um, so I, I said to the, to the nurse, thank you for calling I'll be there in about 15 minutes. And then I hung up the phone and I was like, seriously? Like, I don't have time for this today. This was not a part of the plan. And then I sat down at my computer to save what little progress I had made on this sermon when I looked at the lines I had literally written like minutes before. Is anger the only reasonable response? What about compassion? What about love? Right, right. Now, obviously, uh, our kids don't always know what they're doing, or, or other people don't always know what they're doing um, when this type of thing happens in our lives, right? But, but this is the prophetic nature of all kinds of relationships. And, and by prophetic, I don't mean like telling the future, but prophetic in the sense that they tell the truth or that they reveal something that is true that perhaps we would rather ignore or, or rather, rather hide from. Does, it, does that make sense? 
So in this case, I didn't want to see in this scripture text this unhealthy quality of of humanity projected onto God as something that was also a part of my humanity. I didn't want to see that, but in that moment, I I was forced to see that. Because if, if love and if compassion are to be something more than an idea that we share in church during a sermon, then it's important that I do see the reality, the things that I'm trying to hide, the things that I'm trying to ignore, which is why we need meaningful relationships that will, by their very nature, interrupt our lives and then invite us to be better, to be more aware and to to become sort of people who have compassion and love for others. So, as we continue reading this story in Numbers, let's see if God gets better. Um, Numbers chapter 14, continuing from where Darnell left off, uh, actually uh, starting in verse 15. So then, so God is going to wipe everybody out. And Moses says to the Lord, if you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was powerless to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now, may the Lord's strength be great. Just as you have declared, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion, yet not remitting all punishment, but visiting the iniquity of the, of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sins of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time that they left Egypt until now. Then the Lord replied, I have forgiven them, just as you asked. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So God makes Moses an offer that he can't refuse. He says, I will make you into a greater and stronger nation. I mean, what a deal. The catch is, is that he has to kill everybody else first. And and so notice how Moses turns the tables on God and prophetically calls out this violence. He says, but the nations will say that the Lord was powerless, so he slaughtered everyone in the wilderness. If you kill these people, you will not be doing something greater. You won't be creating something stronger. This is not coming from a place of strength. This is coming from a place of weakness and powerlessness. Moses is saying this to God. We've had these these conversations with our kids and in, in society in general about bullying, right? Bullies are only pretending to be strong. They're not actually strong. That is not what true power looks like. So instead, in verse 17, Moses says to God, May the Lord's strength be great. Just as you have declared, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. God, your calm presence is strength. God, your love is strength. 
forgiveness, that's powerful. Moses is speaking truth to power. This is sort of the prophetic job description, speaking truth to power, but, but not just truth to any power. God is speaking truth to the greatest power that we're aware of. God, the creator of heaven and earth, this is not who you are. You are better. You are good. You are slow to anger and you are overflowing with love and with grace. That's who you are. Now, if our faith story gives us the freedom to ask God to be better, who else can we ask to be better? Perhaps we'll have the courage to ask all the other powers in our world to be better. We can ask governments and corporations to be better. We can ask churches and faith communities of all kinds to be better. We can ask pastors and spiritual leaders of all kinds. You can be better. In whatever different ways each of us have influence in the world, we can ask for that influence to be used better. We can have the courage to speak truth, not only to others, but also to ourselves. For, for all of us to live and to lead from a place of true strength, like real strength, from a place of compassion, from a place of love and grace that, that actually has the power to change the world for the better. So a few years ago, Maya and I were, were staying at a retreat center in the wilderness, in the Egyptian wilderness, where we heard a story from, uh, from a bishop in the, the Coptic Orthodox Church in Egypt. Um, and this was a story that this bishop had about meeting with the United States government. But before we get there, a little bit of background. The Coptic Orthodox Church in Egypt makes up is the, the largest Christian population in Egypt. Um, but they're still a, a minority, and because of their minority status, they have a long, long history of experiencing violent persecution. They've, they've, they've been violently persecuted throughout, throughout their history. And yet, Copts or Coptic Christians they're committed to Jesus' way of love in the world and to peace, which means that, that, that a lot of their efforts ha have gone towards interfaith dialogue and, and connecting with Muslim leaders and Muslim communities in Egypt in spite of, of many of the challenges that they've had. And so in, in the early 2000s, while our nation was, was entangled in two wars in the Middle East, uh, a delegation from the United States met with these Coptic Christian leaders uh, in Egypt to learn more about their struggle and their perspective on what was happening in the Middle East and in, in, in the midst of all the conflict, okay? So as the story was told, our American attempt to, at, at being good guests was to offer the Coptic church one wish, <laughs> sort of like a, a cheap genie, one wish, the U.S. government, one wish. And so the, the bishop said to them, we would like one missile. One missile. The diplomats looked sort of confused, but, but they said, okay, well, where, where would you like us to send it? And, and where would you like us to send it? Not in the sense of give us your address so we can send it to you, but where is your enemy? 
so we can send it there directly. To which they replied, oh no, we don't want to use it. We would just like to sell it back to you so that we can educate our children, so that we can welcome in those who are homeless and feed those who are hungry and take care of those who are in need. That's what we would like to do. Wait, why didn't they just say, it would be nice if you provided some humanitarian aid? Right? I mean, that's really what they were asking, but they didn't say that because, because they were speaking within the prophetic tradition of the Bible. Speaking truth to power. Not only should we do good, but we should confront and challenge violence wherever it exists, even if it exists in the most powerful force in the, in the, in the world. I was looking online uh, in the U.S. Department of Archives or U.S. State Department Archives last night, and, and I don't know if this was the exact meeting, but I found this note about what I assume was this meeting uh, that, that, that said the Coptic church leaders want peace. And so they talked with us very frankly about their concerns about war. That's one way of putting it. They believe in love and in the power of love to prevail. So, if there is a voice in our, our heads as, as we read through the Bible or as we go through life that says, God is angry with you or God wants to harm you or God is okay with your pain, there is this prophetic voice that says, that is not who God is. God is better. God is good. Or if there is a voice in our head that says, God hates those people. There is this prophetic voice that says, that is not who God is. God is good. God is better. And if there are voices in our culture or, or in our families or in our churches or online that define strength in the terms of violent words or violent action, the prophetic voice calls out, that is not what true power looks like. So from this story, in the book of Numbers, from, a, from Moses' confrontation with God, we come today to, to the communion table, where we remember this story, where we remember the strength and the power of Jesus, who, as he was being crucified, said to God, forgive them. Father, forgive them. True strength and true power is found in grace and in love and in forgiveness. And so today, all are welcome at this table to enjoy and to participate in God's generous grace and God's inclusive welcome.